Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. We exist for the lost to be found, the found to be free, and peace to reign in our city. For more great resources like this, check out TheRestingPlaceTampa.com. We are today starting a brand new series called Valuable Seasons. And again, this is the Lord. I asked the Lord, what are you saying right now to our people? What are you speaking right now? What do you need us to know? And he has been speaking to me about seasons for the past uh, about a month and a half. It's one of those things. I'm not the guy who like sees a clock. It's like 11-11 and it turns into a portal. I'm not that guy. You know, I'm not the guy who sees numbers, the same, same number or same word all over the place. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? Those highly prophetic people like every time it's, you know. There's the number four. It's like an invitation to get whacked in the Holy Ghost. I just not that. That's not how I tick, you know, but that's okay. I'm not hating on it. I'm just saying that's not normal for me. But I have been seeing the word season, seasoning, seasons for the last two months. It's been, I cannot escape it. So I pay attention to these things because it's not normal for me. It's outside of my normal. So I'm like, okay, Lord, is this you? And he's like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, hello, you know, so sought the Lord on it, and I believe the church needs an upgrade in our understanding of our seasons, how to value our seasons, okay? This is why it's called valuable seasons. You are able to value your season, no matter what the season. So the whole purpose of this series, we're going to be in it for at least four weeks, including today, is to understand how we can receive value from every season of life. Okay, how to receive value from every season of life. And that might sound like just a nice talk, but I believe it's the word of the Lord. Okay, I believe it's what God is saying right now for everyone in this room, everyone watching on live stream, everyone a part of our church. Amen. Amen. You believe that God speaks that way? I hope so, because that's what we're doing here. And so let me just give you the punchline. Okay, here's the punchline right at the beginning. In order to receive value from every season, we have to actually, number one, value the season. And number two, be value led in this season. Okay, I'm going to explain these two things today, that you need to value the season and you also need to be value led in every season. Okay, I'm going to explain that today. So number one, how do we truly get value from every season of life? We know the importance of the season we are in currently. We know the importance of the current season. You know, this is actually straight out of that book that, um, best sold, least read book called the Bible, you know, it calls, it says in Proverbs 10, 5, know the importance, say the importance, know the importance of the season you're in and a wise son you will be. But what a waste when an incompetent son sleeps through his day of opportunity. What a waste. Say what a waste. Come on. We don't want that, right? Well, listen to me very closely. You miss the day of opportunity when you do not properly value this season. Get this, you will miss the day of opportunity if you devalue the season. If you're constantly trying to get out of the season you're in, you will miss the day. You will miss the day of opportunity within that season because there is one, at least one, okay? Are you with me? You okay? Thinking with me? Good. So let's break it down a little bit. How are we going to value every season? You have to actually start with believing that you're able to value your season, Like, you're able to say, this season is valuable. My season right now is valuable. Come on, you should be able to say, even the dark night of the soul is valuable. You should be able to say, the wilderness is valuable. 
You should be able to say, this season is valuable because I am value-able. I'm able to get value. Are you with me? This is so important. It all starts with believing that God has something good for you right now. You know, we post this great bumper sticker verses, but they're a bumper sticker on our car, not necessarily on our hearts. You know, they say things like God works all things together for the good of those who love him. But then when bad stuff happens, we're like, why God, why? You know, we forget it, right? Come on, is it just me? Are you all professional Christians or is anybody know? You know what I'm talking about? Okay, good. <laughs> it starts with believing that God has something good for you right now. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's something good for you right now. He has something good for you right now. All right, now put your hand on your own heart and talk to the person who actually needs it and say, he has something good for you right now. Yeah. Yes, it's true. Come on. Absolutely. And Jeremiah 29, 11. You know this verse? His plan is to make you broke. To harm you just enough to teach you a lesson. To use sickness to train you in godliness. His plan is to give you hopelessness and just barely a future and to get to into heaven one day. That's how we live. That's how we apply. I'm looking at y'all, all right? I'm looking at you. I, I watch. Facebook's a great tool for a modern-day preacher. I watch the reactions. <laughs> no, he says, my plan is to prosper you, not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. Some of y'all need to get with the plan. He wants you to prosper. You're like, oh, that's that prosperity gospel. No, no, no. There is no gospel. There is no prosperity gospel, but the gospel is incomplete without prosperity. There is no gospel like prosperity gospel, just that one vertical. Are you with me? But without prosperity, the gospel is not the gospel. Jesus did not come to make a curse me club. You know what I mean? I know it's not a bless me club either, where it's just bless me, Lord, bless me, Lord, and they don't do anything for anyone else. I know that. But I'm saying that prosperity is in the plan, and you need to get with the plan. God wants to prosper you, and you might just be fighting off the prosperity of your season because you've been in church way too long. And you believe that having three cars and two houses is worldly. No, it's only worldly if it has you. God doesn't mind you having good things. It's when those things have you that it's not good. Okay? Listen, some people get $100 in their bank account, and they forget there's a God in heaven. Like, I'm good. Oh, my goodness. Don't need to pray about nothing. Other people have millions, and it doesn't even touch their heart. Why? Because it's not about the amount. It's about the motivation. Are you with me? This is important. We're talking about valuing our season, valuing the fact that God is able to bring value to us in this season, right? You might need to simply believe that God is going to use this moment to bring good things into your life. That might be everything you need right there. I just believe you're going to use this moment to bring good things in my life. I've been through terrible seasons. I've been through hard times. I have. And God brought goodness to me through those times. Every time. Come on, because he is faithful and true. He is not a man that he would lie. All right, so here's the deal. This is going to hurt real good. We need, to bra we need to move from bracing for impact to embracing the season. Like, oh, no. Oh, no. What's next on the list? You know what I mean? Like, COVID. What was the thing? I kept seeing posts about, like, 
killer wasps in Washington. And, you know, I was like seeing all like the next thing, the shoe's about to drop, right? The church is guiltier than anybody at fearing the sky falling. All right, we are. We're like, oh, no, we're the what if worriers. What if, what if, what if, what if, what if these bad things happen? I'll tell you where it comes from. It comes from our end times theology. All right. If you're nervously waiting for God to smite you or unleash his wrath on the earth to pour out judgment, you're likely not valuing the season properly. Because I can tell you something. He already judged the earth. He already poured out his wrath. He poured out his wrath on himself in the person of the son of God. There's no wrath for you. Listen very carefully what I'm about to say. And I can hear the <laughs> theology police typing on their keyboards right now. I can hear them. It's fine. I deleted the Facebook Messenger app, so they can't touch me. It's fine. <laughs> they were too annoying. I deleted it. It's fine. So go ahead. Send all your messages. I'm not reading them. <laughs> I get this stuff daily, y'all. So I'm not making it up. Anyway, if you think that God has wrath for you, let me help you. The only way you receive wrath is if you buy it back. This is important. The only way you're going to receive the wrath of God is if you purchase it back, i.e. you try to pay for your own sins. If you try to forgive yourself and don't receive the forgiveness of the son of God, you are buying back the thing that was redeemed. He paid the redemption price and you're buying it back. That's the only way you'll receive the wrath of God. Believer, unbeliever, it doesn't matter. I'm saying the only paradigm for receiving the wrath of God is to buy it back from him who bought it from you. The redemption price has been paid. That's the season you're in. But it might not be that. It might just be like, what if my kids get hurt? That might be consuming you, right? What if I lose my job? What if my relationships fail? All of it is from the kingdom of darkness. Okay, because faith is just fear pointed in a different direction. Do you understand? Faith and fear use the same muscle. Faith is, the, faith is the confidence of things you want, you hope for, the assurance of things not seen yet, right? Fear is the things you don't want, but you have an assurance of things you don't want to see are going to happen. That's fear. Fear and faith use the same muscle. It just depends on which direction you're pointing it in. So this is what I tell people. If you have a heart, you have a fear struggle. If you're struggling with fear, guess what? You have great capacity for faith. If you're like, I live afraid. No, you're called to be a faith giant. And the devil has twisted that thing. And you have so much capacity for faith. I love it when people say I'm struggling with fear. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're a miracle worker. You're a mountain mover. That's my first reaction. Because the enemy wants to pervert. He does the perversion of the pure version. You cannot be living that way be valuing the season because you're just trying to get out or you're just trying to get through. Are you with me? Does that make sense? So instead of fearing what is next, we need a perspective that embraces whatever comes, Amen. right? It's a hopes. It's a hope mindset. It's a mindset rooted in hope. All right. Why? Because Romans 15, 13, this is the prayer of the apostle Paul for the church. He says, may the God of hope, he calls him the God of hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in, say it with me, believing. That's the key. You got to believe that this is a valuable season. You have to believe it. Come on. 
May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Amen. Come on, you got to start with believing that he's the God of hope, that good things are coming because you have a good God bringing them. Yes. Come on. If it's not good, it's not over. Amen. Why? Because he works all things together for the good. Amen. We need to have a hope mindset. Having a hope mindset will help you value every moment. Having a hope mindset will help you value every moment. You're like, this is that name it and claim it stuff. This is that prosperity stuff. No, it's actually biblical to be filled with all joy and all peace in believing. You're like, no, 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 that's only for heaven. Find me the scripture where it says that and I'll give you the microphone right now. We have relegated so much for heaven. We've been like, oh, that's heaven. No, 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 I ain't waiting for heaven. Heaven's waiting for me. You know what the church suffers from? I'm trying to help you today. So don't, if this hurts, just, you know, it's the knife of the, of the physician. You know what I mean? Like cutting away. This, if this hurts, I'm sorry, not sorry. All right. The church suffers from something called destination disease. Okay. A lot of the church does. And here's what destination disease does. It keeps you from valuing your season. Why? Because it's the I'll be happy when mindset. Okay. Steve Backland, highly recommend this guy, uh, has an amazing podcast. He wrote a book called Possessing Joy. It's more like a devotional. It's really good. Every one of you should do it. Go through that devotional. It's amazing. All right. And he calls it the I'll be happy when mindset. I'll be happy when blank. I'll be happy when this happens, when that happens. Here's a couple of them. I'll be happy when I move out. I'll be happy when I get married. I'll be happy when I have kids. I'll be happy when the kids move out. I'll be happy when I get more money. I'll be happy when I retire. I'll be happy when I get the new job. I'll be happy when this sermon, I mean circumstance, is over. <laughs> know what Jesus said? He said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Hear me. Maybe your season is not easy because you're suffering from this dis-ease. Maybe your season is difficult because you're partnering with destination dis-ease. Dis-ease. His yoke is easy. Listen, I deal with eternal life and eternal death every day. Okay? It's not life and death. It's eternal life and eternal death. All right? There's a weight that comes to that. But it is easy when I'm walking in step with the Lord. When I keep in step with the Spirit. You know when it gets hard is when I brace against the yoke. I'm like, nah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> All right, I got an idea. And the Lord's like, okay. <laughs> you know, that's when it gets difficult. Or when I'm like, I don't really want to do this. I don't really want to plant that. I don't really want to. I'll, I'll be more happy when this is over. When I get that person in place. When I suffer from destination disease. When I say, I'll be happy when... It's when things get difficult. But when I embrace the season, when I know the importance of the season I'm in, it breaks it right off of me. You know, everybody loves that verse. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Oh, we love that. Another bumper sticker one. We love it. 90% of us don't know the context. You might not love it so much after I read you the actual whole thing right now. Are you ready? Philippians 4, 11 through 13. Paul says, I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. 
in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. <laughs> Change it a little bit for you. Yeah. Did you know the context is any and all season, any and all circumstance, no matter what comes, I can do all things. I can starve. I can be totally saturated with the presence of God and aware of him, and I can feel like he's very far away. He's not, but, you know, our awareness level is dependent on revelation and, you know, all that stuff, right? So in any and every season, it's him who strengthens you, right? It's him who gives you that. Here's what Steve Backlund says. He says, if you're not joyful now, you won't be joyful then. If you're not joyful now, you won't be joyful then. You're like, no, 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 that doesn't make sense. This situation is hard. Well, consider pure joy when trials of many kinds come against you, brothers. You're, you're talking about happiness. Happiness is that actually has to do with your happenings. Happiness has to do with what's happening. Joy comes from a different realm entirely. <laughs> joy has nothing to do with what's happening. It has everything to do with the one in you. And he's anointed with the oil of gladness beyond all his companions. So Jesus is the happiest guy you know or ever will meet, okay? And if you rely on his strength, joy is your portion. <laughs> Come on. That's a good word. If you're not joyful now, you won't be joyful then. So instead of operating with destination disease, we need to rejoice in the Lord always. Come on. Psalm 118.24 says, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Yeah? This is the day. Let me help you. You don't actually bring that truth into your reality if you're waiting for the day to end. I can't wait for this day to be over. I said it. I said it last week. All right. Come on. I'm with you. Anybody? Anybody else want to be honest? Yeah, come on. I cannot wait for this. I learned this with my sons, okay? I learned this with Shiloh. Uh, Judah, it wasn't so bad. He was born on a micro preemie, and he's kind of on the lighter side. He's got his daddy's physique, you know. But Shiloh, that boy's a chunker. He's going to be a rugby player, all right? He's just thick. He's solid, all right? He looks like his grandpa, who's just, you know, not like me. And he will not go to sleep without me walking him, all right? My wife, Jamadi, she, I don't know, it's an anointing. I don't know. She can just sit on the bed and just like, little rock. He goes right to sleep. But when I put him to sleep, there's, it has to be the bounce, and the walk, you know, and I just can't do the rock thing. I can't figure it out. He just screams, cries, pulls my hair, throws the bottle, you know, when I do that, he's like, no, no. In fact, he just the other day looked at me and went, no, just like that while I was sitting down. I'm like, Ugh. so I learned this because you know what I used to say? I was like, oh my gosh, just go to sleep. I can't wait for this to be over. I want to watch Shark Tank. You know what I mean? Haven't eaten dinner yet. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. And you know what I didn't do? I didn't value that moment, and I missed the day of opportunity. But now I go, I will never get this moment back. So I will never get this moment back. He pulls my hair. I'll never get this moment back. <laughs> That's what it's like being a parent, all right? Love suffers long, y'all. Don't believe me? Have kids. <laughs> but that's valuing the season. I will never have that moment with my son ever again. 
he will not need me to walk him and bounce him for a very short time. And I'm going to miss the day of opportunity if I devalue the season. We need to know the importance of our current season. That's number one. It's part one of my sermon. You ready for part two? Okay. Trying to give you different boxes. One box done. All right. That's so again, in order to receive value from every season, we have to actually value our season. Number one. Number two, we need to be value led in every season. Why? Because the season you're in is different in the covenant you're in, is what I'm saying. The covenant we're in actually is value based. Okay? I'm gonna prove it to you. But we need to be guided by core values. We need to be guided by values. So in order to get value from every season, we have to be a people who are value-led, value-able. Are you with me? This is what I'm just going to read, 1 Chronicles 12, 32. It says, the tribe of Issachar, there were 200 leaders of that tribe with their relatives. All these men understood the signs of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. They knew this. They understood the signs of the times and they knew the best course. How are we to practically apply something like this? Because we're not Issachar, we're not, you know, all that. It's, but there is an anointing here, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it to the surface, all right? The most practical way to apply this verse is to understand that we must be value-led instead of rule-bound. Okay, we need to be led by values. Having a core value mindset keeps you from needing a rule for every situation. Okay? You know how exhausting it is to be like, if this, then that. A rule, 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 rule for everything. Super exhausting, you know? Our core values are that we honor, empower, have faith for everyone, and they guide us. So we don't need a rule for every situation. It's much easier. It's a much lighter burden. We're going to talk about that over the next few weeks. But I want to point out that the old covenant was based on external rules. Do this, don't do that. 213 laws and 10 commandments. You know, 10 commandments is just the tip of the iceberg. There are 213 laws in the Mosaic law. Okay, and then the Talmud, the Hebraic spoken law, they added like 300 more. So it's over 400 laws and 10 commandments. Jesus obeyed all of all of the Mosaic law perfectly and the 10 commandments perfectly so as to fulfill that law and end that covenant. All right. The new covenant church is still operating from many old covenant paradigms. And I'm not saying we throw the Old Testament out. I'm saying we honor the season that we're in. And it is not that season. We need it. It speaks prophetically to our season, but it is not our season. It's the old covenant. The old covenant is law led. The new covenant is value led. The old is based on external rules. The new covenant consists of internal values. The old covenant was a visitation from God type covenant. Visit, go away. The new covenant is a habitation of God. Never leaving, never forsaking. So the season has changed. And we need to change with the season. I know we're Floridians. We don't get it. We don't have seasons. Maybe that's why you need revelation special. But I I lived in Ohio for six years. I, I saw the seasons when I was younger. All right. It's important that we change with the season. You can't wear your snowshoes in summer or your summer shoes in winter, right? That ain't going to work. And we've done that in many ways in the church. And we're trying to follow a bunch of rules. Okay, in church, if someone does this, what's the punishment? What's the protocol? Pastor does that. How long do we sit them down? 
You know what I mean? How, how, what is the proper way to restore? We need, we need a book somewhere. We need, tell me what to do. No, no, no. That's old covenant thinking. New covenant is what is the Lord saying? What is the Lord doing? And it could look different for every single person in this room at the exact same moment. This is Jesus. He did it. Mark 2, 23 through 27. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but you can write down that address. I'm running out of time. This is a story where the disciples are picking the grains of the field, right? They're walking through the field, picking the grains and eating them. And it's the Sabbath. And so all the theology police, I mean Pharisees, they were like, wait, that's against the rules. Ha ha, gotcha, gotcha, Jesus. You're a false prophet, false prophet, right? You're, they're not obeying the rules. And they, he's like, um, actually, go to the last slide. It says, the Sabbath was not was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. He, he responded with a principle. He told a story about David eating the showbread. He responded with a value. Okay? He said, you think that I've come to give you more rules and enforce the rules. No, no, no. I've come to fulfill them. Fill them all the way to the top so that you can stand upon it and enter a new season. He's the fulfillment of the law. So that he becomes the cornerstone of the church. You understand he fully filled the law so that he could be the foundation of the new covenant church. Right? And if we are still trying to walk in this rule-based world, this legalistic world, all right? We're just saying our foundation is no good. We need to dig it up and we need to try and fill it again. You're saying Christ is not the cornerstone of your faith if you're going back to the law to find righteousness. If you're going back to the law to be right with God, to have peace with God, fill in the blank. We're not law-led, we're value-led. I'll show you another place. Jesus summed up the entire law and the prophets with two commandments. Two, Matthew 22, 37 through 40. He said to him, you shall, what is the greatest commandment was the question. And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Say depend. That means that those two are the foundation piece for all of the other rules. Okay. And he said, uh, the reason all the law and the prophets depend on these is because they're the biggest ones. They're the biggest rocks in place first. I believe he was saying this is a value-led season. You need to be led by values. Here they are. Love God. Everything you got. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. You do that, everything else becomes easy. Everything else falls into place. It's not about knowing a rule for every situation. That's why we have to be value-led to get the most of out, out of our seasons. Because you're in a season that is value-centered. You're in a season that is value-based. Come on. He told one guy, the rich young ruler, to go sell all he had and give it to the poor. One guy. He didn't say that to anybody else. But we take it and we make a rule out of it because we're operating from old covenant paradigms. So, all right, in order to be really spiritual and follow Jesus, I got to sell all I have and give it to the poor. No, he said that to one person out of hundreds, thousands all right. But we've taken an old covenant paradigm and said, OK, let's find some more rules. Jesus, give us some more rules. People take the Beatitudes and make that the law of the new covenant. There is no law in the new covenant. We are not under the law, but under grace. Romans six, Paul dared to declare. So what's going on? 
You need to consult the Lord. You need to have a relationship with the Almighty in order to know what to do. And you need to understand that he's imparting values to you to guide you from the inside out, not from the outside in. Valuable seasons. It's all about receiving value from every season. In order to do that, we have to actually value our seasons and we need to be value-led. Makes sense? Got it? We're going to be in this for the next few weeks. And we're going to be talking about how to carry the core value of honor in every season, the core value of empowerment in every season, the core value of faith in every season. We're going to get in with that, okay? And I believe the church needs it. It's going to be a little bit of a review for some of you who have been around a little while for our core values, but that's okay. Review is good. All right, good teachers repeat themselves. Good teachers repeat themselves. Anyway, stand with me. We're going to pray. Let's pray. I want you to put your hand on your heart. And when I said the thing about destination disease, it's been happening all weekend. I felt like needles in my back, like, oop, that hit. So I just want you, if you know you're suffering from destination disease, I really want you to pray this. But how about we all pray it just in case? You know what I'm saying? Let's just give our season to the Lord and properly value it. Pray with me. Say, thank you, Jesus, for this season. Come on. Thank him. We're grateful, God, for the season we're in. We break agreement with destination disease. We say we can have joy right now. You're offering us joy right now, no matter what's happening. And we say yes to this season. We say yes to what you have for us in every season. And we just say no to the shame that comes from devaluing seasons like we missed it or we didn't do it right or any of that stuff. God, you have us exactly where you want us. We say yes to embracing the season, not bracing for impact, but embracing you in this season. And we say you can bring good out of anything. You're really good at bringing good out of anything. Come on, tell them. You're really good at bringing good out of anything. And if it's not good, it's not over. So Lord Jesus, I say yes to my season. Come on. I say yes to my season. I say yes to valuing it properly. And I thank you, Lord, for leading me by the value of your person within me, by the spirit within me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We bless your name today. We thank you for instructing us in your ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Say amen. Amen, amen. Hold your places. Welcome Gigi Borrego. Pastor Gigi, our worship pastor. Come on, welcome her really loud. She's going to close our gathering today. Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. We exist for the lost to be found, the found to be free, and peace to reign in our city. For more great resources like this, check out TheRestingPlaceTampa.com.